0: I've been so excited for three months to be here since Pastor mentioned casually at at the the table when we were in Cuba together. Uh, Maybe you ought to, uh, you know, fill in for a couple of weeks in the summer. And and I'm thinking, that sounds pretty good to me. A couple of weeks, it would be great. Because I've got some real exciting things I want to share with the church. And then... After he tells me that, then he says, you're going to be preaching on forgiveness. And I thought, oh, I've got to give up that message that I had in my heart to share. And now I've got to preach on forgiveness. But we'll try to jam a six-hour message into two short um, <laughs> weeks, if you don't mind. We'll give you a little taste of what's in my heart concerning this message on forgiveness. But it's a privilege to be invited by Pastor Corey to preach in his church. You know, when, when he invites me to preach... That is not an invitation to me. It's a command. God commands his people. When I thought of uh, being here this morning, and I see all the faces, I see people here worshiping God, these are soldiers. You're all soldiers, whether you know it or not. The, the Bible says in Corinthians, it says the weapons of a warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God through the, for the pulling down of strongholds. So what are weapons for? They're for soldiers. So everybody in the kingdom is a soldier. And the weapons, the scripture says, are mighty. That word mighty means miraculous. God has released to us miracle power to deal with the forces of darkness that come, that come against us. And everything that we see, everything that happens to us through people, there's something behind it. And those are the forces we're fighting against. And so that I'm thrilled to be sharing about this message of forgiveness such a privilege to get a command to do what God wants me to do. It's, I've had a real difficult month this last, last two months because I've got so much to share. i I'm just pruning, 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 pruning. And every day I get something more. I've got to share that with a, the with a church, with the soldiers. Prune, take out, don't say it. There's already too much to say. And so, uh, you know, I've had a tough month uh, uh, having to prune. But you know, this message dropped into my life 25 years ago this month, and I start practicing on on, on my church at that time, in and I start practicing on them, and then one day I get a phone call, I think it was July or August, I got a phone call uh, from a friend of mine, an elder in the church in Katali in Kenya, and he said, Pastor, our church is breaking up, there's immorality in the house, and the church is breaking up, we're being destroyed. As we speak, he says, we have prayed, and we're, we feel the Lord say, you've, you've got to go. You've got to come. You've got to come and help us get over this situation. Right at that time, we were just in the middle of just getting going, building a church. And I was the general contractor of that project at that time. And so I had all the right excuses to give to God to not go to where he was sort of urging me to start to think. I had all the excuses. I've given all my money to the church. I've got no money to go. And we're so busy. Lord, you, you give us a project. We're so busy. How can we possibly leave what you've told us to do? And so God begins to deal with me. Because when he gives the command, he gave me the word. When he gives the command, he's already released the miracle. But somebody has to deliver the miracle. That's why you're here this morning, to receive a miracle. Because God is a God of miracles. He said the weapons of warfare are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. We need a miracle to pull down the strongholds of the enemy. You and I need a miracle. We can't do it in our own strength and our own flesh. And so uh, I had all the excuses ready. And uh, I thought, well, I don't even need to go. And uh, it's a place I love to go, to teach. But uh, I don't need to go because I got no money and I got no time. And the next morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, I'm on the job site, and a man comes walking across the, the, uh, the job site, and he puts a check in my pocket for thousands, saying, this is for missions. <laughs> oh, <laughs> excuse me, no. Lord. Next year, we'll, we'll need this money for next year for missions. Next year. But he wouldn't let me get away with that. And then he says, take the man who you have in the church, that's your primary guy working in the church, take him with you. I thought, now, Lord, you're getting a little crazy. (laughs) Because the work can't go on if I'm not there and if he's not there. But, you know, I went, I think it was August or so, and I booked tickets for November, and I went there. Came to a fragmented, fractured church that was once alive. Had a big building, huge building. And I came there, and there were about 25 or 30 people left in that church. And I got there, and, and as, before we got there, we had to stay a couple of nights in a place in a city called Nakuru. And the Lord woke me up one morning, and He said, People are more important than projects. And what He was telling me, I, I've seen the family, and the family is precious to me. And I'm doing everything I can. That's why you, I gave you the message so that I can do everything that needs to be done for my family. It's about family. So I went there and we were in that city that day and there was typhoid in the water. Everybody in that house ended up in the hospital. Four o'clock in the morning, we left to go preach. And so we got there early Friday morning. I think I preached three or four times Friday, three or four times Saturday. And there were 25 or 30 people to start. Sunday morning, that church, that family was 600 people because God had already sent the miracle when he gave me the message. But I just needed to find the timing. <laughs> because God, through his word, word of forgiveness, as the church began to get infected with that word, and they began to, to speak it out, speak it out, speak it out. By Sunday, there were 600 people in the church. It's his family, and he loves his family. And he will do anything he can for his family. That's why I see today, you are soldiers in the family. And God is going to equip you with something today. If you've never seen it, he'll equip you with something. That will change your life. You can begin your journey fresh today. If you get a hold of it. If you get a hold of the word. Okay, we have a gift for everybody. It's a, a, a little devotional I put uh, together Uh, about 12 or 13 years ago. Probably distributed four or 5,000 of these already in Africa. And uh, I've got a a picture of an eagle. I've got some for you after the service. There's a couple of hundred there. Everybody take one. Don't let your wife read yours, please. You take one. No, read your own. And and when when I developed these, I've, I've I've got print on one page, blank on the other. Because Africans need paper to write on. So when you're reading it, write your notes. So don't let your wife read your diary when you're writing your notes as God begins to speak to you. Okay, it took me a long time. You know, there's an eagle in front. That represents freedom. It took me a long time to, to, to uh, paint 200 of these so that you could have it. So take them, enjoy. If you don't like it, give it to an enemy. And if he won't take it, bring it back. These are a, a gift from us, but if you bring them back, I'll give you double your money back. Okay? We'll do better than Home Depot anytime. So, please enjoy. This is the most requested message I've ever preached in all my 40 years of ministry. When I go someplace where they've heard it, they're demanding. They put a demand on me. Can you preach forgiveness again? Just one more time. We need to hear it again. It is so powerful. I've seen more miracles happen. Through preaching this message without laying a hand on a person, I've seen more miracles happen than anything else I've ever preached. So take the miracle today. God has ordained a miracle for you this morning. Okay, make sure you get, get in here where you get the miracle. See, the Holy Spirit, I see him having two hands. And he, he, he takes one hand, his left hand, he's massaging your heart. You know, that's what worship is all about. Thank you, soldiers, for, for leading us. And there is, the Holy Spirit's massaging our heart. When you come in here, the smiles you see, people are God is massaging your heart through those smiles. And the greetings, and the love, and the, the family that you experience here, God is massaging your heart with his left hand. And with his right hand, he's putting the word out. Yeah. And that word, when a word and a heart, when they mesh, the miracle is happening in your life. Okay, see yourself receiving that today. Okay, can you... I, a couple of weeks ago, the word fusion came to me. I thought, what, what is fusion? So I looked, I checked it up. You know, Google has all the right answers, okay, if you don't have the Bible, okay? Uh, it has all the right answers. And so I looked up fusion. It's, fusion is like melting things together. When God's word comes to your heart and it's pre- a prepared heart, it melts not just the words that are spoken, but the person who is giving the word. And we melt together. And that's what gives us power. That's what the enemy is afraid of. So let him fuse with you today. See, fusion in science is when you put two atoms together, like they can create an explosion. Like you know how they created an atom bomb? It's just atoms putting, putting together with atoms. And it creates an explosion. That's what happens when God's word meets with your heart. It creates an expl- explosion. That explosion is called faith. Without that, you can't please God. But with that, you can do all things with faith in your heart. So let it become an explosion today as you get fused with the Holy Spirit, with his person today. So today we're going to look at the power of the weapon of forgiveness. The greatest power ever released on earth. When Jesus was on the cross, you know, what did he do? He said, forgive them. Forgive them that... Totally defeated the enemy from that day on. If you can get a hold of that, the enemy is already defeated, but we'll win the war. If you can get a hold of that concept. He he defeated the enemy by forgiving a man their sins. That's how he did it. So we're going to have some fusion here today. We're going to have a bomb today. We're going to... And by the way, don't confuse forgiveness with trust. Okay, when somebody has wounded you... You, you're obligated to forgive them, but it doesn't mean to say you have to trust them. So don't get caught up in a negativity of, of thinking you have to trust somebody who you need to forgive. Don't confuse it. Okay, so we forgive this we need to do. And then we will see the miracle. You know, you don't have to understand how forgiveness works. I don't have to understand how faith works either. It's just I know it works, it works, it works. I don't need to understand how tithing works. It works, it works. I've done it for 40 years. It works, it works. You tithe, it works. Because God is working it. I don't have to work the faith. Because God is working the faith. I just need to obey so that he has opportunity. I don't need to understand forgiveness either. Because forgiveness works. I've worked it. For 40 years, I've worked it. I've worked it. See? So, why should we have to understand everything? Just let the miracles flow as you obey what God says. That's the important thing. We're going to take you to Matthew chapter 16. That's where we start today. And probably uh, only Dale has the real Bible. Oh, I see Nicole has the real Bible like me. And uh, uh, I love this. You know, I, I use my phone quite a bit to read and stuff like that. I got to charge the dang thing every day. Isn't that amazing? I got this 30 years ago. I haven't recharged it yet. It's full charge. This morning I woke up full charge. So get one of these if you don't have one. But I want to share a couple of concepts with you that I never share. I don't get to share in the church because pastor needs the pulpit. But in our small group, I share some of these concepts. Just listen to them. And then you can go back, listen to the message if you don't get it written down. Just a couple of things I want to... Oh, by the way, confusion is the power of God melting with your, with your uh, being. Okay, Confusion is a lack of understanding or bewilderment okay so if you don't have fusion you have confusion that's the way it works but let me share this with you just a, a thought that came to me probably a couple of years ago the secret force okay, here's the word of God the secret force of the living word and every word of God is a living word the secret force of the living word is the chosen instrumentality of Christ to reconcile man to God there's only one way it's through the secret force of the living word It's Christ's chosen way to reconcile man to God. When man is reconciled to God, he's reconciled to man. It happens. If you're reconciled to God, you will be reconciled to man. So you let the secret force in today. Okay? You might need to massage your heart. Just go like this. We won't mind if you do it. Okay? Just massage your heart a little bit and say, come, Holy Spirit. I want you. The secret force. let, Let it live in me today. Then the second thing I want to share, wrote in a devotional many, many years ago. We need an aggressive submission and a violent determination to, dis- to, to serve Christ effectively. Doesn't that sound odd? I need an aggressive submission. You know how sometimes we think submission is, oh, well, you sort of will give in. You know, we'll see what Jesus will do. I come, in, I come into church with an aggressive submission. Aggressive I come in here and I let my body express what my heart should be, be saying in response to the worship. And, and to, in dealing with people, aggressive submission to deal with authorities in my life. Jesus, did you know he's the commander of the Lord's hosts? He's seated at the right hand of God. Why? Because the, 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 the chief officer, the chief commander, he, he is seated at the right hand of the Father waiting for the nod. Yeah, and the nod from the Father means, give them a command. If he's my commander, my chief commander, why do I come to church? Do I come here to fellowship with people? That's all good. Do I come to have some coffee? That's all good. Do I come to appease my conscience? That's all good. But the real reason I come to church is I want to receive a command. Because with the command comes the miracle. I might talk about that a little bit next week. With the command comes the miracle. No miracle happens without the command. And so I come to receive a command. So I come with expectation to receive from God. Whatever is needed for me for today, tomorrow, and the week to come. I come to get receive commands. Are you ready for that? Okay. So we, we come in here not to just fellowship. Not to, by the way, let me tell you a secret. If you're out looking for a parking spot when the worship team's already going... You've already missed a miracle. Come on. Come on. If you're still stirring your coffee, and the music ministry is up here, the soldiers are already bringing the the, the unction that God has given them. If you're still stirring your coffee, you've missed a miracle. If you want a miracle, you've got to be there. You know the man was, Acts chapter 3, the man was carried to the beautiful gate. He was over 40 years old. He was carried to the beautiful gate, where where people came by to pray he was carried there from he was born a a cripple and so his mother would have probably brought him when he was a very young child and then later on they would carry him can you imagine 40 years of being carried there at the time of prayer he'd make sure he was there and Peter and John came by one day and they had had a command from Jesus because they had that infusion and he came they came by that day what if the man had said that day. I'm feeling tired. I think I'll stay home. I'm just really not feeling up to being laid there at the gate today. I'm really not feeling up to having somebody carry me there again today. I mean, it's been a long time. I've been faithful a long time. If you'd have missed that one day, just that one day, just missed that one day. If we just missed that one, two, three minutes, if we just missed that time, that critical time, being there, when the miracles coming by, Peter and John came by, and he looked up and he expected to receive something, just like you all came in here expecting to receive something. He expected to receive something that he was used to receiving, some gold, some money, because that's what he lived on. That was his, that was his whole being was wrapped up in being there to get something. But that day, oh, Jesus, that day, Peter and John came by, and he looked up and and they said, well, you we don't have what you're expecting. We don't have what you're used to. But one thing we do have, because we've been doing it with Jesus, one thing we do have, and he reached out his right hand, the hand of authority, and he released that that they, that they had through the hand of authority and touched his hand, and he rose up, and he'd never walked in his life. He had no muscles. He had no mem- memory of walking. Not at all. He le- leaped up, and he started walking and leaping and praising God because he was there on time. <laughs> He didn't miss the day. He didn't miss the moment when that, when that miracle was going to happen. He didn't miss it. So that's what I encourage you soldiers. Don't miss the moment because the miracle is on the way. It's already been sent. Before you got up this morning, it was already sent, the miracle for you. So let's be aggressively submissive, aggressively. My commander, whatever he wants, I'm aggressively su- submissive. And... The other word is violent determination. Violent determination. I come here and express my love with all my heart to Jesus. I don't sit in my chair and thinking, well, it sounds pretty good. (laughs) Maybe someday. Maybe someday I'll get off my butt and do something. Violent determination to serve Christ effectively. Oh, my goodness. I am so grateful today I can't see the clock. (laughs) But I'm taking you over to Matthew chapter 13. We're going to hurry now. Okay? If I talk fast, you listen fast. Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi. I want to introduce you to Jesus and his ministry and how he started the church and what he expects. He He was talking to his disciples. Can you imagine 13 guys walking down the road? And uh, we can we can put that slide up now uh, of Leonardo da Vinci's Last Supper. Don't believe it, you guys. Don't believe it. He asked his disciples, "Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am?" He asked them a forthright question. You're, you know, they're walking down the road. The road's dusty, and there's thirteen of them. So there's a crowd, and they're you know they're grabbing each other and they're kicking stones, and uh, that's Jesus and his disciples. They weren't sitting there with clerical callers in a a nice quiet office. They were having life together. And he says to them, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But he said to them, who do you say that I am? Here's the question for us today. It's not who does your wife say I am? Who does your pastor say I am? Who do you say I am? We need to have that, that question brought to us. Who do you say that I am? They gave him all different kinds of 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 answers but the question is who do you say that I am now these disciples I got to describe this to you you know when when we look at the the slide of the Last Supper that was done about 500 years ago or something and the guy had a concept but I don't know if it's a biblical concept because when Jesus came here who do you think that a man who is anointed by God going to change the world going to give his life who do you think he would choose to walk with him? Somebody he could delegate, that he, he put his mantle on when he leaves to change the world. Who do you think he would pick? You know, he picks these fishermen. And they, they left their father's fishing boat. You, which of these guys is, is young enough to have a father who's still fishing? You get it? I think Jesus would have picked people Young people who were impressionable, who were changeable, who would 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 grasp what he said, and he would be able to influence their life. You know, the old generation, and most of these are that are depicted are old generation. Some of them are so bald there's not a whisker on their head, and and these are old generation. You know who uh, you know who was there that day when Jesus was crucified, crying out, "Crucify him! Crucify him!" Old generation. You know who couldn't make it through the wilderness? when God so mightily delivered his people from Egypt? Who didn't make it through the wilderness? Old generation. He said, I'll give it to a new generation. So keeping that thought in mind, I believe Jesus would have picked a new generation that's going to go on and on and on for years after he's gone. That's who I would have picked. Somebody who could walk with him. Not somebody who's he's got to have a walker with him when they're walking to Jericho. <laughs> it would be young, strong, young men that are going to carry on the ministry, that are going to be able to hold the mantle, the weight of the mantle of, of the church. That's, I believe, who he would have picked. So I see these men, probably Peter, would have maybe been about the oldest because I think he was married, because he, he had a mother-in-law, so he probably was married. And so uh, he probably was 20. till you, know, til you were 20, uh, you were a child, basically a child in that day, in that culture. And um, I think, I'm totally convinced that the disciples probably were older teenagers. So most of us are already disqualified. (laughs) Unless you think new, new, uh, new generation. You've got to think new generation. I'm going to think like Joshua and Caleb when they came out of Egypt. I'm going to think new generation. I'm going to stand, I'm going to be able to have the strength to stand and not give up. By my murmuring, my groaning, like like the old generation did in the Old Testament. And not by uh, being part of that religious uh, sect that cried, crucify him, crucify him. I'm going to be from the new generation. So picture these young guys walking with Jesus. And uh, for instance, uh, Jesus comes along to the sea and he, he sees a fisherman and he says, follow me. They just left They had no concern whatever for their fishing. Some some pastors are some teachers are saying, "Oh, they were professional fishermen." I think they were young. They were so glad to get off that boat and those stinky fish and night night work, night shift every night. No girlfriends because they're working all night. And and anybody came near them, they stunk like fish. They were so glad to get out of that fishing that fishing boat. No wonder they followed Jesus so easily. We think there's oh they were so noble. They followed Jesus. They were so glad to get off that fish, that the fishing boat. And, and the tax collector Matthew, you think he enjoyed uh, getting uh, being an apprentice to his father, who was hated above all the people in the village. He was hated because he was he was taking their taxes. He would be so glad to get out of that that tax office and follow Jesus. So think about these young men. Hallelujah. <laughs> Next verse. <laughs> so they, Jesus said, Who am I? Simon Peter says, he, say, he says, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. He had a part of it. He began to understand. He began to have a little bit of revelation of who this Jesus really was. And, and uh, uh, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon of Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. We need to have the revelation of who Jesus is. We need to understand who he is. And he says, and I also say this to you, that you are Peter, or you're a, you're a rock, Peter, but on this rock I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That word, change that word church to family. On this rock I'm going to build my family. It's not going to be built on Peter or who Peter is or just because of his name. It's going to be built on a revelation of who Jesus is. That's why he said, who who am I? What's the word out in the street? Who am I? And they gave him the word out in the street. But he said, what you need to know is who am I by revelation from God? Why have I come here? I'm the commander in chief of the Lord's army. Of all the Lord's armies, I'm the commander of chief. And I'm the lamb of God. And I'm going to be the one that's going to to, uh, forgive you your sins so that you can come into the kingdom of God. Because that's the only way in you can believe all you like, but until you receive forgiveness, you aren't part of the kingdom. So if you haven't received, receive today. It's the miracle that God has sent for us. So he said, even all the powers gates of hell will not prevail against you if you are built on the rock of the revelation of who I am. So we need to understand who Jesus is. He is the forgiver. First of all, your first, your first um, uh, interaction with Jesus will be as a forgiver till then he's just a convictor but you need him as a forgiver so you can become part of his army so you can become a soldier and then you come to wait for commands this is what he said to his disciples I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven you know what keys represent he says not the keys into the kingdom he says the keys of the kingdom when you're in I'll give you the keys of the kingdom keys represent authority if I give you the keys of my van, and I say, here you go, tank's full, tires got air, and, and the insurance is paid, and I give you the keys, are you going to walk home? And that's what many believers do today. They get the keys, but they're walking home. You're supposed to get in that thing and drive, and if I say, stop, stop, don't stop. You've got the keys. So keep driving. Jesus is transferring authority to these disciples who were not yet even born again. He said, this is what you have in store for you. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever. Whatever you bind, I'll agree from heaven and it will be bound. Because we are fused together. And you've got my heart. And now we're going to work together. Whatever you loose on earth... I will agree from heaven, and it will happen because you say it because I've already intended that to be loosed. When somebody wounds you, and somebody hurts you, when somebody sins against you, you have a right, because of what Jesus said, you have a right to release them from obligation for that sin. The keys to bind and loose. You know what we used to do? We thought, we thought. We saw this, and we thought, oh, good, we'll bind the devil. We can bind him. And so we'd be binding the devil, and next, next day he's still free. We like to bind him over our finances, you know, and loose money into our bank account. And the next day, our bank account's down. <laughs> We're more in debt, and nothing has changed. I thought, what's wrong with the Bible? Let's just take that page out. This binding and loosing stuff, it doesn't work. I tried it for years, and it doesn't work. Until I found out what Jesus is really talking about. That's where we're going to go today, John chapter 20. You just need to remember two things Matthew chapter 16, John chapter 20. So let's go to John chapter 20 and see, see what the Bible says, this real Bible here. <laughs> this is my, my good friend, this Bible. John chapter 20, we're going to go to verse 16. Then the same day came, Jesus had been crucified they thought it was over his disciples thought it was over they said these these Jews these traditional Jews these religious people they got him crucified they got a lot of power but they they didn't realize he's coming out of that grave and then the same day at evening the same day when he was uh, after he was crucified that when he was resurrected being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, when the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst of them and said, Peace be with you. That's scary. They're in a room, locked up, shutters shutters up, bar- doors barred. Everything was tight because they had seen what these these uh, religious leaders had done to, done to their captain, their leader, their hero. They'd seen what had happened. And they they, had, they said... We're next in line because we associated with him. We are next in line. They're coming for us next. So they got, they got together and they got locked up in a house. And suddenly Jesus appears. And we say, that's a real pretty story. That would be so nice. I would have loved to be there. You know, if, if you would have been there, like these disciples are there, and Jesus appeared, suddenly appeared through the wall, and you're full of fear and anxiety, and you're afraid, I'm next. And you're texting mommy, uh, think I think I'm going to get executed tonight. And Jesus appears. You know, you probably mess your pants like some of them maybe did. <laughs> He's there in person, a ghost. And then he says this crazy thing. He says, he, he says, peace be with you. Yeah? Peace be with you? And then he begins to show them how peace can come into your life. Because he got peace in his life when he hung on the cross that day. And he said, Father, forgive them. That's what peace, the Prince of Peace showed who he really was. And then they when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side and then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Sure, sort of a false gladness. <laughs> you know, sitting on the edge of your chair and ready to jump out the window. Then he said this amazing thing. He said again, peace be to you. If Jesus says it twice, take it. If he says it twice, it's not a mistake. You didn't hear it wrong the first time. Then he said, peace be, be to you. And then he says this amazing thing. As a father has sent me, I send you. It's a command. The father sent Jesus. It's not, we think he sent him to go to the cross. He sent him to reconcile man to God. And the only way man could be reconciled to God was through forgiveness of sin. Because sin is what separated man from God. You get it? So he says, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. So what has God sent you to do, my friends? What command has come to you today? I need to forgive. I forgive you. I forgive today. He breathed on them. And he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. This is one of the first people ever got born again on earth. Because till then, Jesus had not given himself a sacrifice. So it couldn't happen. And so when he breathed in them, that breath that left them in the garden of Eden that day, when they sinned, the breath left them. Now the breath came back into them, and they were again empowered by God to be fused with him. So he said, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. I'm I'm also sending you. When he said this, he breathed on them. They received the power of the holy spirit and then he said this amazing thing relating back to matthew chapter 16 he says if you forgive the sins of any they are forgiven them do you hear that he didn't say if i forgive he said if you forgive the sins of any any anybody who's wounded you hurt you anybody who's betrayed you anybody who who's who's withheld love from you anybody who sinned against you if you forgive them they're forgiven in other words You've released the possibility of punishing them. You've pardoned them. They have a death sentence on them. You're saying saying they're free. Giving them their freedom. Not because they deserve it, but because the commander-in-chief has ordered it. So if you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they're retained. So in other words, we can hold people captive by not forgiving their sins and when somebody sins against me I don't find it so critical but if they sin against my wife, oh my goodness you know my fists start to clench when somebody sins against my wife but that's the ones I still have to forgive, Jesus forgave all those who hurt him who wounded him and all those who are going to hurt his people and wound his people, he has forgiven them so who are we to say they don't they, they can't be forgiven. They can be forgiven. The, the, the challenge we have is, will we forgive them? We don't want to forgive them because we want justice. We don't want forgiveness. We want justice. Let God take care of that. And let's become the army of soldiers that he has commanded us to be. Let us begin today. Don't, don't get all upset about this, about, oh, I've got to remember who all sinned against me. The Holy Spirit will take care of that. Because he's a communicator and he'll speak in your heart. And when somebody comes up, say their name and say, oh God, I forgive them. Today I release them from any obligation they have to me. Any penalty that I want them to pay or any vengeance I want to take on them, I release them from that. Will we do that today? Now i have given you the keys. And next week when you come in here, I don't want to hear a story. That you have somebody who's really irritated you and you're so mad at them. You texted everybody in your list and you're, you're just going to, you hope to have an accident on the way home. And yeah, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to see you coming in here with keys in your pocket when you could be driving. The devil would love us to have the ability to do it but never use it. God has given us because he's given us the command. He said it. He's given us the command. So let's do it. Let's begin to be the army of God. Not just an army of believers, but an army of forgivers. And let's see God change our city. Will you do that for me? Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you today for for every person who's gathered here, every soldier in this army. I want to thank you for them. Lord, bless them. And I thank you that everyone's got the concept today that Jesus is the forgiver above all things. He has revealed himself to us as the forgiver and then commanded us to be followers of his by being forgivers. Of people, and we thank you for that today. We just receive it by faith in Jesus' name. Amen.